The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 7420. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Jay. Good, good morning, Scott. Good morning, Don. We're, see- we're seeing some inflation numbers uh, come out this past week. It's dipped a little bit, but still uh, at 7%. Groceries are saying up 10%. Condiments like ketchup and stuff like that up 17% to, you know, when you're trying to stretch stuff, even the condiments <laughs> are, are costing <laughs> you more. You know, a little bit more. Uh, hey, kids, just put a little bit more ketchup on that. It'll be fine. <laughs> I think this inflation thing's all figured out because people are now buying hot dogs and hamburgers instead of steaks. Yeah, absolutely. That's putting putting the pressure on the condiments. So, you know what? It takes a while for um, inflation measures to kick in. You know, 12 to 18 months is the normal. So it's not generally a knee-jerk reaction when they increase interest rates. It's not like, Mm -hmm. wow, inflation ends the next week. Um, A lot of things are built into the system and people have to change their behaviors. And, And so you're starting to see that now. You know, people are literally... Um, changing, well, you're seeing that in real estate a lot, changing what houses they're buying or what they actually can sell them for because of interest rates uh, rising. But you are actually seeing things that are, you know, uh, the cost of flights have gone up. So a lot of things, the demand and supply is all there and lots of demand, uh, not as much supply, and that causes inflation. Now, there is an equilibrium and certainly the increase in interest rates is starting to take effect, not as quick as the governments would like. And I say governments because this is a worldwide issue. Uh, but it is happening. So, uh, and, and you know what? This is their number one priority right now because it is absolutely a silent killer of a financial plan. We're going to talk about that a bit today. But um, inflation does, it's like a cancer in your plan. It has a massive effect on your planning and what things you can do for the rest of your life in terms of what you can afford. So, yes, uh, it's there. It's good to see they've actually come down a bit, Scott. But uh, yeah, we all love to see it get down to what they like. Two to 2% is their goal. Mm-hmm. And speaking of planning, sorry, Jay, go ahead. You yeah, want to yeah, talk just about thinking, states. Yeah, with inflation hovering around 7%, you know, they're they're skyrocketing these interest rates uh, as fast as they can to try and get it under control. And like Don said, that 12 to 18 months is a delay. The faster they rise, those rates generally over history, the the faster that inflation number comes down, but um, it's creeping down. It's not going down nearly uh, as fast as they want it to at this point. So October, I believe it's the 26th is the next meeting for the Bank of Canada. And it's expected to rise rates again at that point. So who knows what they're going to write. And apparently, sorry to interrupt, Jay. Yeah, I know you want to talk about estates, Jay, but I heard today too people talking about the value of the Canadian dollar and how the value of the Canadian dollar is now dropped below 75 cents. And that's hurting us. Normally, uh, that is is obviously a little bit higher. How much is the is the value of the dollar at play here? Well, that's a good question. You know, right now there is a uh, an attraction to the U.S. dollar throughout the world, and when there's any kind of talk about recession, it's okay. Where do we want to have our money parked? And right now the U.S. dollar seems to be the safe haven. So as soon as again, uh, more people want to buy the U.S. dollar, it puts uh, all the other dollars in comparison to the U.S. start to drop, and that's what's happening in Canada right now. Yeah, for sure. And oil prices as well, right? As oil So you want you wanted to so, start off with the states today, Jay. Yep. Yeah, that'd be great. It is, it's interesting. You know, the last couple of weeks we've been everything you watch on TV is about the Queen and uh the funeral 
for the queen. I actually saw something about David Beckham was waiting in line for yeah, for, for 12 hours. 16 hours or something. Or 12 yeah. hours, is that what it was? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, a lot of the celebrities bumped the line and, and Beckham, he was... He, he, he waited his turn in line. So that was kind of cool. Um, um, he he gets also, bad rap uh, for the most part. <laughs> Alberta Premier Jason Kenney lined up and went through, I saw as well. Well, that's good. Yeah, so anyways, yeah. I was thinking about uh, the Queen and, you know, being a financial advisor, I start to think about her estate and how is that going to kind of transpire and how are things going to wash out? So King Charles obviously is going to inherit most of that wealth. Um, some of the some of the grandkids and other uh, royalty are going to inherit some of the wealth, but a ton of the ton of the responsibilities and a ton of the wealth that she that she had. She had uh, works of art, jewels, investments, automobiles, uh, real estate, um, similar to many Canadians, you know, not to the degree, obviously, or the, the amount of wealth that she has, but um, we have the same same issues here in Canada. The The personal assets she had was about a total of 500 million, um, most of it, like I said, going to Charles. The good news is for the, for the monarchy is that they're uh, legally shielded from taxes that would normally be payable. So yes, recently she's, she's, started paying taxes on her income and, and the, the the monarchy is paying taxes on their income, but on, on a normal estate, they would have paid about $200 million in tax wow. uh, in the, in the UK. So they have avoided that 200 million. So in Canada, what do we do? How do we do that? Um, you know, maybe with the degree of wealth that they do, but how do we, how do we avoid paying that tax? In Ontario, uh, taxes can be extremely high, not just estate tax, but income tax on your estate could be high as 53 percent uh depending on how the how the state wrap and where funds are invested so how do we do that what can we do um first thing we can do uh we can have a will uh, a lot of people don't have wills a lot of people think just because they put beneficiaries on investments and and in insurance policies that they're they're taken care of or they have joint ownership with their with their spouses and everything's gonna be taken but they need to have a will uh start the process getting your will in order um having an executor discuss with the executor uh what your wishes are, uh, making sure the executor knows what your wishes are and how uh, assets are going to be distributed. One thing that people are confused, sometimes confused, is executors, beneficiaries, and power of attorney. Those three are very different, but they can all be the same. So executor is the person that carries out your wishes in the will. Um, beneficiary is the person that gets all the, the proceeds from the will. And then power of attorneys are a little different. Um, they don't really form part of a will. Um, they're more of when you're alive and take care of two different things. So there's a power of attorney for property. Uh, they're the ones that take care of your financial decisions in the event that you're not able to make those choices on your own, such as uh, paying for bills, uh, managing bank accounts, managing real estate, selling real estate, those types of things. Um, and then power of attorney for care um, is, is takes care of uh, decisions for yourself, for your care. So if you need in-home care, if you need nursing care, if you're going to go into a facility or not, what level of care of facility, what kind of quality of facility. So you really want to make sure you've got the right powers of attorney in place, especially for care. Um, I'm looking at it and saying, okay, you know, my mom and my father, as they, as they get older, who's going to be making those decisions. Um, and then I think about myself, who's going to make those decisions for me. Um, where I'm going to be staying. If it's my kids, if I, if I know my kids right now, um, they're going to take all the money and put me in some <laughs> outhouse. <laughs> uh, but they're young and they're, they're foolish. So you want to make sure you've got the right powers of 
turning place. Definitely don't name your 18 year old son who's at university uh, mm. uh, going to going to keg parties. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so with with that, uh, other things again, beneficiaries. Making sure uh, beneficiaries are named on all your registered accounts. So RSPs, lifts, rifts, pensions, TFSAs. Uh, also look at your life insurance policies. Often people set these life insurance policies up. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, maybe when their, their parents took these policies out for them when they were, when they were ch young children, and the beneficiary on these policies may have passed. Um, if a parent took out a policy on you, and your parents are still the beneficiary on the, these policies, maybe it's worth looking at. So definitely uh, just pull out your old policies or even a, a newer policy. Make sure you got your benefit, beneficiaries correct. Uh, quick story, we had a client that purchased life insurance through the group employer, uh, thought she was doing the right thing, named her three, three children as beneficiaries, three minor children as beneficiaries. Unfortunately, she passed away prematurely um, uh, not, not too long ago. And those three beneficiaries, the, the kids were minors, all that money went to the kids and nothing went to her surviving husband. And her surviving husband has a house, has a mortgage, has all these expenses of raising the kids and all that money went to trust for the kids oh until they're 18. Yeah. So the, all those funds are locked up. Yeah. And now the husband, not only has he lost his wife, not only has he lost her income, now he's got to raise the kids on his own and he has no money. Yeah. Oh my. But the three beneficiaries, the kids are getting that money at 18. Again, coming back to my son going to university and, and having keg parties um, <laughs> at 18, if you receive all that money, that's a lot of money to, to, to receive. And, and maybe you're not, you know, as financially sound as, as the father would have been. So um, definitely look at your beneficiaries, talk to a financial planner, make sure that you've got the right beneficiaries in place. Definitely don't name minors as beneficiaries on on any of your investments or or uh, or life insurance policies, you definitely want to talk to someone before you do something like that. Uh, yeah, uh, having accounts set up joint ownership that can be a, a pro and a con. Um, be careful when you set up accounts jointly. Um, yes, you can save some estate taxes, and but you do lose some of the control uh, once the account set up jointly. Um, once an asset set up jointly, you lose control. That now becomes joint ownership and equal equal rights to the, those assets. So you want to make sure that you're not uh, just doing that for tax purposes because you do control. So check with your, your accountant and financial planner. There also could be some uh, tax implications when you do change that ownership. So be careful with that. Uh, be strategic in your retirement withdrawal. So a lot of people, we just, we just met with a, a client yesterday and they're wondering if they should be taking from their RSPs or taking, or taking their CPP early or their OAS early. Um, we did an analysis on their, on their plan and said, you know what, I think it makes most sense for you to take your CPP later and start drawing from your RSPs. And they said, well, Jay, that's going to be taking money out of the investments that we have with you. You don't want that to, to happen. I said, you know what, it doesn't matter about us. What we're looking at is what's most beneficial to you. And the difference for these people um, on a net estate. So we extrapolated out the numbers from 65 when they're retiring now till 90. And the difference was about, about $750,000 to the estate because mm -hmm. we were draining the RSPs down in the earlier years, as opposed to letting it grow, uh, take your CPP now and wait, wait till 71 or 72 to start pulling out the RSPs when the government makes you pull it out. And it was creating a tax bomb. Um, with all this RSP money, they were sitting with 
uh, tons of money in RSPs and it looked like they still had tons of, but then when you work it out on how much tax they're going to have to pay on the, on the death of the second spouse, um, the difference was about 750,000. So simple, simple strategies, working through a comprehensive retirement plan with these people, um, sitting down with your financial advisor, making sure you've got all your ducks in a row and, and, and you work through those what if scenarios um, can really help out your estate. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Uh, Don, you know, we hear this all the time. Uh, you're richer than you're, th- uh, you're richer than you think. Um, now you're going to tell us maybe we're not as rich as we think what's going on here. <laughs> yes. You know what? And I, I got to give kudos to the industry in general, all the banks, all the planning companies now have basically followed our lead. They are mm-hmm. now doing financial plans. Now yeah. it, this might be a compliance thing, um, but you know, you got to question, are these good plans? Just because they have pretty pictures and show that you're, and again, one of our, you know, one of the bank's taglines, you're richer than you think, um, great marketing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, is it true? Is it really honest? And should you feel good about your plan? So I had an interesting situation about a month ago, and a client of mine um, got, you know, separated and now is, I call it a merger instead of a, a new marriage. She's merged with another uh, lady and, and they're both done a very good job in terms of their planning, about 50 years old. And so, you know, she's got a, a relationship with a planner already with one of the, one of the banks. And I, you know, and the other person is my client and it's been a client for a number of years. So they went to the other planner just to update the plan. And, and there was no trying to say, okay, we want to take, you know, the assets away from us, or we want to get their assets. It was nothing about that. It was simply, let's get all the numbers together and do a financial plan. And I've been actually asking the same thing for the, the couple. If you wanted to have a, a view on this, let's, let's do it. But anyway, they went to the bank and they got this done. Now, interesting enough, the broker that they deal with doesn't actually do it. He farms it out to another individual that doesn't really know them. So that's also part of the issue. What's the relationship from this person simply punching keys on this plan, per se? And is it realistic to what these people will be doing? And so, and then there's also the question, does the broker actually know how to read the plan? Just hmm. because somebody else has looked and done the plan, no, it's up to the broker to be at least cognizant, is this a good plan or not? Is there any, any holes? Yes, Scott. You know, it's, uh, I don't want to interrupt as you're just getting started here, but obviously a flag just went up for me. I've been doing this for a while and obviously I've been with you for a long time now, but prior to that, um, I remember there was a change in a past planner and somehow um, I had, I ended up 
being at a bank. And I, I think what was most troubling about all of this, whether it's mortgages, whether it's this sort of thing or not, the next time you go back to the bank, that person's not there. Yeah. They've moved on or they've been promoted or changed to a different bank. So, I mean, I don't know how many years I've known you and you know, my family, you know what we're like, what our goals are and such. Whereas you go into a bank, even if you're getting a new mortgage, you're not dealing with the same person you were the first time. Absolutely. And, and we, we know the nuances, even even if Scott, you said, OK, this is our lifestyle, I would second guess it because I yeah. know no, I, I think it's a little higher, a little too low. Or yeah. what about this vehicle? Last time you're talking about this. So those things all make a difference in a plan. And so we, we really understand what makes you and your family tick. And that goes into the plan. So these two people go to this and get, get this plan done. And they were clicking their heels. They literally thought they're richer than they think. So they come out of there and they're 50 years old. And basically they had a plan saying, can we retire now if we wanted to? That was, that was the goal. So they said, you know, we looked at it. And one good thing about the plan, it went to age 95. So that was the one good thing. Um, it didn't have them you know, passing away, say, 85. So they did have the longevity covered. Um, and they had about a $2 million net worth now. And it actually grew to about $5 million based on the data that they put in when they're 95. And they're thinking, we do not have to work. We are golden. This is fantastic. And so the first thing is, this is a 45-year plan. Yeah. That, from 50 to 95, if there is an error, it's a compounded error. It compounds for 45 years. And that can make a massive difference. Um, on on a, again, the same token, beautiful piece of paper, very, you know, it looked great, nice charts. Um, on If you were a layman and just looked at the plan without understanding it, you'd think, oh, this, I'm, I'm, I'm set. I don't actually even have to save any more money. I'm so upset. So they, they gave me the plan and I'm thinking, okay, it doesn't make sense. Like I just knowing the situation, I can't see how that could work, but I can't wait to see this plan because maybe there's something I don't know about. Yeah, Don, we, we can't often run into clients that do their own plans on online. Now there's so many software programs available and so many apps that can be used. And when we get those plans or when we see those plans that they, they present to us, again, they haven't gone through the details that a financial planner goes through. It's not, it, it's a, it's a, you know, if, if it's a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher that's going through it, they're doctors, lawyers, and teachers. They're not financial planners. So they're going through a financial plan and trying to put together a financial plan as a teacher or a doctor or a lawyer and not a financial planner. So, you know, garbage in, garbage out. These, these plans that are available online, they, they're, some of the software is really, really good and it's available to clients. But again, garbage in, garbage out. If you're not putting the right data in and analyzing data properly, there's no point. No, absolutely. And we have a feel. We've done thousands of plans. So as soon as we see, okay, what is with this? It, it, something to me, before I even opened the, looked at the plan, I said, eh, it doesn't smell right to me. It doesn't, it doesn't pass a smell test. So I, I opened it up and literally within 30 seconds, I said, okay, there's an issue with this. The very number, the number one error, and I see this a lot in plans, it's too optimistic. Okay, it had inflation at 2%. And, you know, currently we're saying inflation is around 8%. Normally we use three, three and a half, and maybe even now we might go to four, but we've always been, we always try to 
stress test our plan by going above what the normal inflation is, not trying to go down to the base level. So they used inflation at 2%. Weirdly enough, as soon as I moved it to 3%, just a 1% difference in inflation, the plan failed. They ran, ran out of money at age 84. So instead of having $5 million net worth at age 95, they had no net worth at age 84. What a difference inflation is. They had the house still, okay? So they still have their property. They'd have to sell the house. But the ideal of the plan was not to sell the house and live in that house and, and basically die in the house. It's always nice not to have to sell your house as part of your plan. Um, it's always nice to have the house and then you can always sell it if you wish to, but not forced to sell is a different story. The returns they used were 7%. So again, optimistic. Um, we're usually using returns, especially when you start to withdraw money of about 5%. We like to see what we call a real rate of return. And that's the return difference from what you're getting to what the inflation rate is. So in their case, they're using inflation at two, returns at seven. They had a 5% real rate of return. That is very optimistic. Um, it happens, but it's not generally what happens. So we usually use about a two, maybe three at very most real rate of return. Again, it's a way for us to stress test the plan. Last thing we want people to do is say, hey, I'm 84 and you said I'd have this much at 95. We don't want this to happen. We want it, if anything, we want to underpromise, overperform, not the other way around. So yeah, you look at this year, you look at this year, Don, right? Inflation, Scott was mentioning inflation at 7%, rates of return on, on global equities, somewhere between negative 10 and, and 15%. So, you know, the spread yeah. there, the spread there is 20%. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Right. And, 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 and talking about inflation, so if you had a $4,000 per month expense right now, yeah, it's pretty reasonable. Okay, let's say you're debt-free, $4,000 a month. People can live on about fifty grand a year without any debts. At 2% inflation, 45 years later, fast forward, that's, that's now $97.50 a month, just at 2% inflation. Well, let's go to 3.5% inflation. That, it's no longer $97.50 a month. It's $19,000 a month. What a difference an extra one and a half percent inflation makes, and you're compounding this for 45 years in this case. So it's, it's we, we would like to stress to it. Let's, let's say there's a market correction, like we were going through right now, and the market drops 20%. And let's say it doesn't come back for a few years. We put that right in the plan. Another thing that is a very useful is called the Monte Carlo analysis. And it goes through a thousand different stock market scenarios and stress tests the plan based on the ups and downs. Because when you retire, you're pulling money out during these times. So right now, if you're a retiree and the market's down as it, has it, as it has been this year, it's not the best time to be selling every month. Okay? Now, albeit, you know, you might have a cash wedge. You might have some cash and you can draw from that. But if you're pulling out of the stock market right now, you're actually selling while it's down rather than buying when it's down. And for the ones that are accumulating right now for retirement, this is a great time. You're now buying shares while the market's down. Exact opposite. Um, another error, garbage in, garbage out. As you mentioned, Jay, that's a great way of, that's computers in general, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so what they did, I looked at the plan, and this is the first thing that caught my eye, right on the first page, they both qualified for 100% of Canada Pension Plan. Everybody says, okay, well, what's wrong with that? Well, it's nothing wrong, but they've got them retiring at 50. They don't qualify for 100% of Canada Pension Plan. You know, they went to school mm -hmm. they, and, and so forth. They have to put so many years in. They might qualify for only, say, 75% of the Canada Pension Plan. 
And so in both cases, they were 100% of the Canada Pension Plan. What a big error that was. So as soon as you put in 100 down to 75%, nice thing about CPP, as you know, it's indexed. So it does go up by inflation. But what a drastic error that turned out to be. And again, it didn't cause as much of a, an error as inflation, but it still reduced things drastically. Um, here's another big error, in my opinion. Expenses were wrong. There was no car purchase every seven years, which we always put in. So what are these people going to do for the next 45 years? Just keep this car going? <laughs> okay. Like, so that was a glaring error. There was no education for the kids. I know they have some money set aside, but there's always the odd extra cost. There was no weddings. Like there was no big expense that could come up. And so that, again... Maybe they don't. Happen. Maybe maybe they don't believe in that anymore, Don. Maybe that's the reason. You just cross that one right out there. Yeah. It, your your planner should not be changing your lifestyle. Okay, <laughs> you, they should be changing the plan to your lifestyle, not the other way around. And uh. it's, and so yeah, there wasn't a renovation to their kitchen. There was nothing like that. And so that also again that compounds again one of those that new car you buy for say an $80,000, $50,000, whatever it is, that's a compounded, that's money out of your pocket, out of your investments for 45 years when it, you know, on, on, on this plan. Uh, lifestyle, again, they put in the expenses, but they just put in like a, a set amount, call it 4,000 a month. We, as Jay mentioned, we like to go detailed. We like to say, okay, what's your hydro bill? What's your, and we find all the expenses. What do you spend on gifts? You know, um, what about donations? To charities we, we go through all the details not because we're nosy okay but it's again it's the plan's only as good as the numbers that go in it and so i question this kind of blanket number it just seemed too convenient that it would be exactly four thousand a month so it was probably wrong plus if you're retired at 50 are you going to live the same lifestyle as you are right now before you retire you got nothing but time on your hands every day is the weekend you're going to be spending more so there's extra, there's no, there was no bump in their holiday time and there was no bump in extra hobbies. So I thought that was a little different. Um, funny enough, they did tax um, in this particular plan. They did maximize one of the people, one of the um, couples tax-free savings accounts every year, which I thought was great. That's a good plan. Make sure that's maximized every year. Unfortunately, they didn't maximize the other person's TFSA and that actually hurt their plan a little bit. So it was just wrong. It should have been, it should have both been done. But again, that was just kind of an oversight, not a big thing. And then the order of withdrawal, how do you take the money out of the plan the most efficiently? And so do you take out the non-registered first? Do you take out the RSPs first? Do you take out the tax-free savings accounts first? Some people think that because it's tax-free. And actually the answer to that one is definitely try to keep the tax-free savings accounts as a last. Okay, well, that's a big giant nest egg of tax-free money. There may be the occasion to tap into them, but generally speaking, that's the last. But the other two, you got to look at the pros and cons of pulling money out of the RSPs earlier, because as Jay called it earlier, a tax bomb. If you leave it too long, you're going to be paying a whole ton of tax. Your state's going to pay a whole lot of tax on those RSPs. So the order of withdrawal is extremely important. And then how is it invested? How much dividends, how much interest, what's the capital gains that formulate the rate of return? And that's also important because you have to pay tax on the non-registered every year. You can tell what plan is. Just listening to this right now, you can see the detail that we go into a plan 
And so, you know, I hate, I hate to be the bearer of bad news with this couple, but within, you know, I looked at it and, and about 10 minutes later I called and, and I got the, you know, the, the comment of the wife in the situation. And she was the one that went to her bank and had the plan. And I'm thinking, okay, I know it wasn't your planner that did it, but your planner should have still looked at the plan and put mm. some tests to it. They should understand that it wasn't right. So instead they got their hopes up. They, they were retiring tomorrow basically, or they could. And once I told them that all we have to do is increase inflation to 3%, you, you can't retire. Oh, mm. and all you have to do is get 5% rate of returns. You can't retire. Oh, by the way, you're not buying a car every seven years anymore. Oh, and you're not doing those trips. And it's like, but other than nice. that, you can retire. You are. And, they, and so I, the funny thing is, she said, I guess we're not richer than we think. Ah, my goodness. Well, you know, Don, you think about how long we've been doing this show. And I remember 20 years ago. Inflate um, the interest rates. Oh, it's temporary. It's temporary. And then, of course, it ended up being the norm. But we were not talking about inflation the way we are now. I mean, so it just goes to show you how things change. And, um, yeah. and, and, the, and you, you can't project that far out. It is a financial guess. There's lots of assumptions. And this is why the plan needs to be updated every year. And you have to be conservative and really stress test your plan. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a, a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Jay, we're going to talk about annuities. First of all, what's an annuity? Okay. Yeah, sure. So as interest rates are rising, people start talking about all different types of investments. People start considering GICs again, because uh, they're, they're attractive. They're, I, I know the one-year GIC rates are around 4.1%, five, five-year GIC rates are approaching 5%. Cash accounts we have here, uh, we have some cash accounts paying 4%. So uh, People are looking at different alternatives other than the stock market. Of course, the stock market's down right now. So people are getting worried and thinking, geez, I would have been better off just putting it into a, a GIC. Why did I put it in the stock market? We get those conversations all the time. But annuities are starting to come up and, and people are talking about it and wondering what they are and how they work. Um, and, and basically what an annuity is, you're looking at something and you say, okay, I want to put in a lump sum amount of money for a period of time. So whether it's for the rest of your life um, that it'd be paying out or, or for a certain period of time, but you lock in $100,000, let's say, into an investment. So you give that to the company. Generally, they're insurance companies that are administering these types of investments. And, and they give you a certain rate of return every month. Now, it, it depends on what interest rates are, what mortor, mor, uh, mortality rates are, what age you are when you start this. But because interest rates are going up right now, people are getting very excited about, hey, maybe annuities are something we can look at. So just to give you a quick example, if you took $100,000 and put it into an annuity today and you're 65 years old, um, it would pay you out $555 a month if you're a female. 
Um, a male 65 would be 595 a month. Well, just 12 months ago, that amount was 17% less. So interest rates haven't gone up. They've gone up drastically, but annuity rates have gone up about 16 to 17% just in the last 12 months. Now, as rates continue to rise, we'll see annuity rates keep going up. So people are finding these very attractive. Um, it, it looks like something that is something you'd want to do because you're locking it in. You're guaranteed to pay out for the rest of your life. The downside is, or the, 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 the pitfall, I guess, with, a, with an annuity is that you do lock up that money. So now you're locking in at a certain rate of return for the rest of your life. So you have zero control of that money. Now you just get your annual or your monthly payment coming to you. So if something comes up, like Don mentioned in the last segment, you want to buy a car, um, you, you don't have money to do that. That money's now locked up into a, an annuity. Um, the other thing is they base it on mortality rates based on the general public. Well, if you're not uh, exactly healthy or, you know, you got a family history of, of diseases or no longevity in your family and you pass away prematurely, um, these investments are based on a certain uh, mortality rate. So let's say it's 88 is the, the average age of a Canadian at 65 um, and you only live to 86, you would have put, been better off leaving that money in a different type of investment, whether it be a GIC, an RSP or something like that. So annuities based on interest rates, but also based on mortality um, and age of applicant. So if you're unhealthy um, or you've got a, a a history of, uh, of a family history where there's not a lot of longevity, maybe uh, annuities aren't the best thing for, for you. Um, types of annuities. There's all different types of annuities. Um, when you're looking for annuities, a couple different key components to consider. So your age, obviously, when you start an annuity, you don't want to start one when you're 30 years old because the money's not, there's not going to be a whole lot of payout. A lot of people want to start them when they hit retirement. So they got that guaranteed cash flow coming in. Uh, your health, as I mentioned, you want to consider if, you, if you've got poor health concerns, um, maybe annuity is not for you. Whether you want it to be a single or joint survivor, uh, meaning if you're going to get it uh, with your spouse and, and have this, this annuity being paid out or this income being paid out for the rest of your life, or is it for your life and your wife's or your, or your, or your spouse? Um, survivor benefit. Do you want this to be guaranteed for your life and your, and your spouse's life? Do you want it to be guaranteed over a 10-year period, 20-year period, or for life? Um, are you using registered funds? Are you using non-registered funds? Um, do you want the payout to come out today? Or do you want it to be delayed for five years? Um, if you delay it, um, that's a shorter period of time that it's going to be paid off. So that's going to be increased the amount that's going to be paid out on a monthly basis. Um, is it indexed to inflation? We had a long discussion in the last couple segments about inflation and what's going on with inflation. So you can buy an annuity that protects you against inflation or somewhat. Um, most of them are around 4%. They cap out at a 4% inflation rate. So if if you're getting a monthly benefit and inflation goes up every year, they'll adjust it based on inflation to give you a, a basically a raise every year. Again, the, the higher the inflation number that you pick, the lower your initial payment or initial uh, initial monthly benefit would be. Yeah, that's uh, only return of premium. You're, you're taking less risk. So the less risk you take. The, le the, the less you get. So you got it. Great point. Great point, Don. So, you know, these, these insurance companies put these in place and I, I looked at where, you know, did, did a quick comparison of uh, in those numbers that I gave you earlier, whether it made sense to do it, uh, to do it annuity. Well, you have to live to about age 90. Um, they're, they're working on a, an 80 scale or 88 scale as the, the longevity but if you live till 90, you're better off uh, just putting in GIC today. 
and taking an income from that as opposed to locking in. But if you live to 100, you win you win the guessing game and the and the mortality rates and and that's what insurance is kind of about. And that's what it, to be to be completely honest, uh, annuities are an insurance product. They're basing it on the the longevity of a, a of of the applicant. So um, just keep that in mind when you're when you're looking at annuities. You definitely want to talk to a financial advisor uh, before you start uh, investing in these types of things. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Find out more at donfox.net. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Another break here, our last segment coming up. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Find out more at donfox.net. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. We're spinning a lot of past phrases here, Don. Uh, The wealthy do pay their fair share in taxes? Yeah, that's not a question mark, Scott. That is an absolute, <laughs> the wealthy do pay their fair share. And, you know, I, I, I do get irritated when I listen to the politicians talk about we want the wealthy to pay their fair share. And just to put this in perspective, if you make over, call it 222000 a year, every nickel past that of income, you're paying 53.53%. Okay, you're giving more to the government than what you're making. Personally, I think that should be illegal, but that's just my opinion. You're doing the work. You're driving down the 403 to get to the office. You're risking your life, and you're giving more of your paycheck to them than, than you're getting. So, But that's just the start of it. You know, they came out with this in, ni- in 2014, and they put in, that's, I guess, when the Liberals got reelected. And at the time, it was the highest tax bracket was 46.5%, call it. I think it was 46.4%, but anyway. It was, you know, reasonable. You know, you're almost paying 50% tax. Well, then we, again, the wealthy needed to pay their fair share, apparently. And so they moved the highest bracket for anything over 220,000 up to, uh, so they're paying 53.5% tax now, uh, anything over 220,000. But what they didn't tell you is they weren't going to increase that number with inflation. So all the tax brackets are indexed except for these two new brackets that they put in back in 2014, the 150,000 bracket, anything over that, and the 220,000 bracket. And so if you put it into today's dollars, like 220,000 seemed really wealthy back, you know, eight years ago. It doesn't seem as much anymore, and it isn't, because back in 2014, that's in today, in in those dollars, that's 181,000. So if you're making over 181,000 in 2014, you'd be paying over 53% tax. And actually that other bracket is 150,000. Once you make over that $150,000, you're paying about 45% tax on any dollars earned after that. So this is our income tax level. So just in this eight years, the bracket creep, they call it, because it it should have been indexed. It should probably be about 260,000, anything earned over that right now, but it's stuck at 220. And so there's an extra $40,000 of bra- bracket creep. 
that you're now paying 53.5% tax on that you didn't used to back in 2014. So on, that's bad enough. So those are just the income tax brackets. Then there's HST. So that's already a tax on the rich per se, because let's call the, let's call the wealthy, they'll buy more stuff. Well, if you're buying stuff, it's a, it, you're as a consumer and you're paying 13% tax on things you buy. And that's, that's a way to really tax the people that are actually making purchases. Now, on top of that, often, if you're a little bit more wealthy, you pay property taxes and the bigger the house, the more tax you pay. Again, it's already a wealth tax per se. Um, again, there's maybe some people that shouldn't live in a bigger house and they got a big mortgage and they are paying those big property taxes. But in general, the wealthy are paying a higher property tax. Um, also, if you are wealthy and you're over 65, you don't get old age security because your income's too high. You've got it all clawed back. So they take all our old age security back for those that are earning about 150,000 a year. So you lose all that. And also you don't get any of the credits. You don't get the age credit because you're making too much. So, you know what, I, talking about phrases, um, you, you may know who said this one, Scott, Jay, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> a great philosopher, Mike Tyson. And, and that's what I feel this last tax was. <laughs> this is the new tax that came out, the luxury tax. Talk about getting punched in the mouth. You're already getting all these other taxes. And then out comes this one out of left field because we have to pay our fair share, those people that are earning whatever. But this is another, on top of the HST, which is already 13% on these expensive vehicles. If you're buying a vehicle over 100,000, there's another 10% um, tax on the vehicle or 20% of the difference between 100,000 and what you paid. So if you bought a $200,000 vehicle, that would be another $20,000 luxury tax. Now, again, let's say you inherited money and you said, I've always wanted this Porsche, whatever it might be. Well, you're now rich, apparently, because you are buying this car and you mm. have to pay this extra tax. Now, the other part is it's hitting everybody. Everybody says, you'll probably think, oh, well, it doesn't apply to me anyway, Don. So it's, it's great that you're ranting. So that's good. Well, what if you were to inherit money and all of a sudden your parents left you a million dollars between RSPs, maybe you had a cottage and you had a capital game, maybe you had some investments. And all of a sudden you had an income or the estate had an income of a million dollars that year because of all these RSPs and things that you inherited. Well, it turns out, and, and, and quite often your parents may not have ever earned more than 100,000 in their life. But in that year of death, they are now rich. They earned a million dollars. And because they were, they did, all this very, very good diligent savings, they now pay $497,000 in tax to the government on the year of death because they're rich for one year. Yeah. And that's really what they're getting here is this bracket creep and everything. It's really hitting the estates more than anybody. And again, that last punch in the mouth was that luxury tax. So I had to give it one last rant here. All right. There you go. As he packs <laughs> his bags and boards his yacht. <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> we have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Thank you, gentlemen. Another lively show. We've learned a lot. Have a great week. The preceding was a page.
paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.